This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to The Hand Cell, where interesting people tell us about books they think that we should read. I'm Jen Northington, coming to you from Book Riot, and today's guest is Danielle Prescott. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're so excited. So, Danielle, you are an author now. Your memoir, Token Black Girl, is coming out in October. It'll be out by the time people hear this. So we'll, we're recording in advance, but it will be available uh, when this airs. And you are also a veteran of the beauty and fashion industry. Um, you were the style director for BET.com, and now you have your own consulting agency. So it sounds like you have a lot of things going on. I do. I have a lot of things going on. (laughs) Will you tell our audience a little bit about yourself as a reader as well as an author? Oh, sure. Well, I have always been a reader. I love books so much and I feel so lucky that I wrote one. I can't even believe it (laughs) Um, (laughs) because I never really like thought, I guess, that I had anything um, meaningful to say. And Mm. so I was like convinced that, you know, only people who have suffered a great deal deserve to write a memoir. Mm. Um, And so I have, yeah, I'm a, I'm a person who reads every single night before I go to sleep. Um, I take many books on vacation. I spend a lot of time with books and I always have. Um, like since I was a little girl, I think that is a very consistent part of my personality that I just have always loved reading and interacting with books. Uh, well, you're in the right place. And I mean, same. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really excited to talk to you about these great books that you've picked, um, as well as your book. Before we dive into that, let's take a quick sponsor a break. Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone, but you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done. Eh, she wasn't. Three years later, Anna is a starving artist living paycheck to paycheck while West is a Stanford professor. Now he is part of a conglomerate. His family owns this mega grocery store chain. He's not interested in working for them, but he is interested in those greenbacks, honey, that come in the form of a $100 million inheritance. To get it, he has to be married for five years. That's where our girl Anna comes back into play. So the two will fake a marriage, but as he gets to know her and gets to appreciate the feisty, foul mouth, paint splattered girl that she is, he'll begin to wonder if the money is worth the love of his life. Pick up The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren to find out if it is. And thanks again to Gallery Books for sponsoring this episode. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Disney Books. Do y'all like Caribbean mythology? What's more, a thriller inspired by Caribbean mythology? If you do, I got something for you. A must-read thriller that draws from the darkest corners of Caribbean mythology from acclaimed author Sarah Das, who crafts a chilling tale of magic, murder, and how far we'll go to protect what's ours. It's perfect for fans of Angeline Bully and Tiffany D. Jackson. So, unlike other people on the small island of St. Virgil, Selena Da Silva does not believe in magic. She has a logical mind. She likes botany. She wants to study pharmacology. But then her mother gets sick and she's tethered to the island and she has to make money so what does she do she cons a couple gullible tourists with these useless talismans and phony protection rituals but then one of the tourists ends up dead and at the center of a strange string of murders and the truth selena has been denying can no longer be avoided there is evil lurking in the forest that surround St. Virgil. Now to find out what that evil is, make sure to pick up It Waits in the Forest by Sarah Das. And thanks again to Disney Books for sponsoring this episode. All right. So you have picked a mix of fiction and nonfiction. What was going through your head when you were trying to narrow down like which titles you wanted to talk about? Well, I always try to read um, from a wide breadth of authors, um, but I primarily read books by women and for women, I guess. And that also covers like age lines and racial lines. So I wanted to pick a nice mix of, you know, authors that were people of color and also like books that are geared more towards a female audience. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Well, let's get right into it. Your first pick is a fiction pick. It's Counterfeit yes. mm-hmm. by Kristen Chen, which are, excuse me, Kirsten Chen, which I have been hearing so much about, but have not read yet. So what initially drew you to this book? Um, honestly, I, I like fiction that is about like worlds that are just a little bit um, I guess out of touch. Like Mm. I love reading, you know, things like big little lies. Like I'm like, I love Mm. like real estate pornography. I like (laughs) descriptions. Like I love, you know, like, like just like kind of like out of touch people, like, like where their problems are so magnified, the stakes are like quite low. Um, but in this case, um, the book is about, um, a woman who is a Stanford graduate went to law school, kind of like hates her job, uh, but she did all the right things. Like she married a smart, handsome doctor, but their marriage is not, you know, all it's cracked up to be. Mm. She's a very difficult toddler. Um, she ends up quitting her law firm job to be like a full-time mom. And she's just so frustrated with her life. Um, and I just find it to be so, so interesting. And then of course there is the element that they are, um, they have this whole operation that is based on producing counterfeit designer handbags in China. Mm. So she and her freshman year roommate from Stanford, um, who is a Chinese immigrant, the woman in the book is Chinese American. Mm. But I also like the tension between, you know, having someone who is American, she's a first generation American. So she has ancestral ties to China. And then the, the contrast of someone who is like natively from China and mm. coming to America. 
um, it's, it's very, very good. That's awesome. Is there a particular type of reader? Like if you were thinking about like your friends, like which friends, like what, what kind of readers would you recommend this book for? Um, I would recommend this book for my overachieving friends. I think there's like a, <laughs> <laughs> a thread in here about, you know, always doing the thing that you think is expected of you because you have been like working so hard for, mm. um, you know, to achieve something and like what that pressure feels like. And also like how that pressure can sometimes influence your behavior to do things that are morally questionable. Mm. Um, so there's like a cheating scandal, like whether or not, you know, there's also this kind of discussion of like whether or not like the game is rigged, mm. like are, is, is how much of like how we think about wealth is really dictated by our perceptions of people. And so why is the Chinese American girl more accepted than the mainland, mainland mm. Chinese immigrant girl? And so what can that American woman do that the Chinese woman cannot do? And like, how does that affect the relationship? So mm. I think, yeah, anyone who uh, has been in, you know, who occupies like several identities at once, I think this yeah. would be interesting too. And of course, like, yeah, if you like handbags, if you like luxury goods, um, this is also probably for you. <laughs> awesome. I do. <laughs> I do love, I mean, a lot of times they're like rich people problems books, right? Like you yeah, said, like the, totally. the problems are super zoomed in. The stakes are very low. I think it's very soothing in a weird way. <laughs> I love it. That's like the same reason I watch, you know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like, right. I'm like, last week, there was an episode where they were like raising money for a charity that was called Homeless, Not Toothless. So they were literally being like, we want to make sure these people have perfect smiles. And I'm like, not homes? <laughs> <laughs> but, but that only the <laughs> people who are so out of touch. And I'm like, it's something just very nice about it being like, yep, they're not affected at all. Right, okay. right. It's like a break from actual problems that need solving in a way. Yeah. Slash yeah slash it's also nice to like I don't know there's some schadenfreude there right like you get to feel superior to these people who are like so out of touch as you said mm -hmm. yeah but also I find them very relatable in certain ways and so it's a mix it's a mix for me yeah <laughs> all right awesome and then so your next pick is a book that I love as well Yay. so I'm so excited to get into this this is nonfiction. Mm -hmm. it's Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. How did you find this book? I don't even remember how I found this book. I think maybe it was on, you know, a bestseller list somewhere. And I was just like, yeah, that seems interesting. Um, <laughs> and I didn't really know what to expect from it, but it actually like defied all of my expectations. Like I, I was so surprised by like the way that she approached doing the research that there were so many personal stories so just so, to catch everybody up the book is about um sex mm -hmm. and learning to separate like what has been kind of prescribed to us by like 
the media and the patriarchy and all like religion, all of these mm. like kind of elements at play that help to define like how we think about sex and how we think about our own bodies and pleasure. And so um, it was, oh, I love this book. I thought it was a really transformative experience. I, I recommend it to everyone. I think everyone should read this book, but especially, you know, heterosexual people, like people who are women having sex with men or men having sex with women. Cause I think it can be really helpful. Yeah. I was so astonished in particular when I read this book about how she dove into how stress affects our sex lives. Right. And I think totally. that that's, that's something that all of us know is true, but the way that she breaks it down is so useful. Um, mm -hmm. And I think can help a lot, take the pressure off, right? Like yeah. there's, there's really lovely stuff in here about how to ID your stress responses and mm -hmm work with them in ways that then free you up to have like an emotional and physical relationship with your partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I also think that pointing out the things at work that shape how we think about our bodies, how Ooh. we think about sex and how we think about each other yeah, is also really important. Cause again, like these are things that we know that like pornography is not necessarily a realistic depiction of like how people have sex. Right. But yeah. it's like, it needs to be stated mm -hmm. like why those devices work so effectively and like how they are working on us and like mm. why we need to like reject them. Um, so it brought me like a lot of comfort. Cause I'm like, I felt like I was walking around like my whole life being like, I'm so weird. Like, mm. why don't I just like have fun? Like my friends. And I'm like, no, after right. reading this book, I'm like, you're not weird. There's nothing wrong with you. Right. It's that like the expectations, like the cultural expectations of like that. Yes. As a modern woman, I should just be like, yeah, like sex is totally fine. And like, yeah, right. just, like, <laughs> do it on a Wednesday. No big with a stranger, <laughs> like no big deal. And it's like, no, like my anxiety is like going haywire. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really feel like there was like a lot of space to like have those feelings because you know, the perception of like the evolved, like modern woman is one who is sex positive and just like mm -hmm. has ownership of her own body and does all these things. And I'm like, oh, that's not me. Um, yeah, and that's okay. Right, right. And it's, I think another thing I loved about it is how practical it is. Like it helps you break down mm -hmm. like your own experiences and gives you like exercises and, you know, there's example like scenarios and case studies in there like I think it's yep. so accessible and the research is all there too but mm -hmm. it's not a textbook right like it's no. very approachable yeah I love this book and actually so I don't know if you know this but uh Emily Nagoski and her sister Amelia Nagoski wrote a book called Burnout that is all about how stress lives in our bodies and how we ah. can release it. And mm -hmm. that is another book I highly recommend. So, yes. Yeah. Super, super useful. A must read. I, yeah. And I, I think you're right. I think especially if you're in a heterosexual relationship, but I really do think there's a lot in here that anybody could, totally. could benefit from. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take another quick sponsor break and then we will get into some more books. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. 
So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. These, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris is a searing portrait of the power of family and letting go of things that no longer serve you, exploring the burden of familial expectations, the detriment of miscommunication, and the lessons and legacies we pass on to our children. It's an explosive and emotional story of four siblings, each fighting their own personal battle, because who isn't, who return home in the wake of their father's death. Make sure to check out Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. All right, now we get to talk about your book. Very exciting. I'm reading it now. I'm still early. Great. I'm in like chapter two. So, okay. you know, haven't, have not finished yet. Okay. But will you, so let's, let's start uh, with the elevator pitch. What's your elevator pitch for your memoir? Sure. So, um, my book is a memoir that is also narrative nonfiction because I wanted to localize like my own personal experiences with what was going on in the wider media landscape mm. at the time. So I am now 34 and I came of age, you know, in the new millennium in the early 2000s. So it is important for me to make sure that what was going on around me is also communicated um, because what I did, what I set out to do with this book was to basically prove to myself that I wasn't crazy. Mm. I was like, and there's a way in which, you know, if you are a person of color that primarily exists in white spaces, that when things happen that are racialized incidents, people make you feel like having a emotional response is an overreaction. Mm. So saying like, oh, that was just a joke, or this mm. person didn't mean it, or they're probably having a bad day. Like you shouldn't right. think about that. And I'm like, so over my entire life, I'm like witnessing racial incidents happen and watching them be minimized 
And mm-hmm. so I was like, what is the collective effect of that on an individual and also on the wider public? Um, and so that is really what I set out to do when I wrote this book. And I hope that that was achieved. Um, so I have stuff about me, my token black girl experience, but mm-hmm. also stories about Serena Williams and Whitney Houston and Kerry Washington and mm. you know women who are older than me or my same exact age um, who have been made to be a token at their own expense um, and like how that affected them in different ways. Yeah, I, I think you know, books like this and this book in particular is going to be so important for so many readers. It's really, I, I, you know, the small bit I've read, I love how you immediately dive in to the media landscape, especially because, you know, we are all so shaped by our media diets, especially as children. And um, it's so clear from the jump how familiar you are both with the media landscape as it exists as like, you know, a system, right? Mm-hmm. And and what that system is accomplishing, whether or not we like it. Um, mm-hmm. And then how you and your classmates were impacted by it. So yeah, I really, I think this is, you know, like I said, going to be important for a lot of people. You said at the top that you thought that you would never have anything to write about because you like didn't have, you know, enough, uh, maybe like trauma in your past. Mm -hmm. What changed your mind about that? Yeah, I think uh, it's so funny. Like I really was like, oh, no one will, like no one will read a book that I write. And I think that for a long time, it's because of the way that things are published or who gets to be published. It's that we want to maximize, I guess, a emotional response from the audience. Um, mm-hmm. So I, in many ways, occupy a very privileged identity and also a very marginalized identity. And I had never really seen space for like having both exist. Mm. Um, so I was like, I don't think anyone will read this. I mean, what, what I, I, it's hard for me to like even write about my childhood because I'm like, what we, I have two parents that love me. They're still married. We always had a home. We always had food, yeah. we went on vacations. I always had toys. I had a dog that I loved. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like, so people would be like, well, what's sad about this? Like, what's remarkable about this? Cause I'm like, right. yes, in a lot of ways, my childhood looks just like yours or just mm. like someone's on television, but, um, and I also feel like I went to the kind of schools where people would always say like, you're so lucky to be here. That mm. you're, this is an amazing opportunity. Of course, I have gone to some of the best schools in this country, but that never protected me from racism. Like how yeah. much money you have not actually never protects you. From right. racism. I, you know, so you can look at like how the Obama family was treated when they were Mm -hmm. in the White House. Like they, Barack Obama got to the highest office in this land and it did not necessitate any more respect from people who were racist than Mm -hmm. had he not been there. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, it was very interesting to kind of embark on this journey because I was like, well, I don't, I can't complain. (laughs) And and it's not necessarily complaining. Like I do recognize 
the ways that I am so lucky to have occupied these spaces and that it benefited me greatly. Mm-hmm. However, I don't want people younger than me. I think that, you know, when you ascend to a certain position in life, like it is your kind of duty to make that pathway easier for others. And I'm mm. like, I don't want girls younger than me. Like I, I, I've graduated high school 15 years ago. I doubt that a lot in my current high school has changed from yeah. when I was there. And I want to be part of that change because a big part of me writing this book as well was understanding the ways that I became complicit in descent, like to, in spreading the message of white mm. supremacy, because I also became a member of the media, the right. same media that right. was harmful to me. I like also then joined in. <laughs> Which, you know, in a that's a survival mechanism, right? Like that's how we try to to survive. I think you talk about that um, even in just the two chapters that I've read. And you also, you know, you said this is true. Obviously, money doesn't protect you. And, you know, you point out Black excellence also doesn't protect you from white supremacy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think I think that's also, you know, a hard thing to talk about, but an important thing to talk about. So, yeah, from where I'm sitting, you know, as obviously a white woman, um, I think this book and, and, you know, having conversations with lots of readers from all different places, you know, books, right, they can be a window or a mirror, depending on who is looking at them. Um, And I absolutely can see how this book will be both of those things for for lots of different readers. So so I'm glad you decided that you had things worthwhile to say. That's great. (laughs) I am glad too. Yeah. Was it, I I know that this is the question everybody always wonders about, but I feel like every author has a different approach to it. So obviously, you know, you're very honest about what it was like growing up in your family. Did you worry about how, you know, your family would view your memoir and, and what stories you were telling and how they would feel about that? Um. Yeah. At certain points, I definitely did because I, it's my choice to live my life very publicly and it's not necessarily my family's choice. Sure. So I, I, and I have been someone who is very online for like years now. Hmm. Um, and to the point where my parents were kind of like, please stop posting about like where we live and the place <laughs> we go because my mom got recognized in the grocery store. Oh, no. like, yeah. They were this person was like, are you doing Ellen Gabby's mom? And my parents are not on Instagram or anything. So they right. think, on Facebook. They think it's very weird. So they don't know. So I did take great pains to kind of protect like them. Like I'm like, I don't like out the college they met at. I don't, um, I don't say like the town they live in. I don't Mm. do any of that stuff just because it's like, yeah, there's a lot of people that are going to read this and they did not ask for that. I asked for it. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, I, again, I'm excited for this book to be out in the world and for for people to read it. And I I wish you a good time of it. Obviously, you know, publishing is a very weird journey, I think, in a lot of ways and can be very difficult. But hopefully the fun parts are super fun. Yeah. I've had a great time so far. I mean, (laughs) it's been weird because I did all of this in the pandemic. So I had not met. I, I met my editor for the first time and we've been speaking for over two years. Like I yeah. met her for the first time a few weeks ago. Like wow. there's so many people that have worked on this book that I have never even encountered in person at all. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's not that different from uh, from from non-pandemic times in a lot of really? cases. Really? Oh, my well, God. If you don't live in New York, you might never meet any of your, you know, production team or your editors. Um, If you're geographically or you can get out here, sometimes you meet them, but sometimes you don't. Yeah. Uh, So, all right. Well, let's go on to your third book pick, because this one I had not heard about. And now I'm super excited about it. So this is a memoir. It's Tanqueray by Stephanie Johnson. Uh, looks like with Brandon Stanton, who we know as Humans of New York, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so tell us about this one. So I guess maybe like a little over two years ago um, on Humans of New York, there was this viral story about this woman named Stephanie. And um, it, it, I think it was a series of like 16 posts and it ended up being like 12,000 words mm. that they expanded into this book which is her memoir stephanie is like currently i believe she's like 76 or 77 Mm. still lives in new york still lives in chelsea um and her book is fascinating in many ways she was also a token black girl she was born and raised in albany um but her mother had a job working for like the state government Mm. and And so her mom had a lot of money and sent Stephanie to white schools and they lived in a white neighborhood. Um, And so she was extremely lonely. Hmm. And um, then she begged to go to a black school for high school. So she ended up in a black school and then ended up getting pregnant um, when she was in high school. And um, she thought that she was going to marry the guy but it turns out the guy was already married. Right? Oh so he no. Left her, he left her alone and she didn't know what to do. So she was like, I'm not going back to live with my mom. So she tried to steal her stuff out of her mom's house. And her mom had her arrested and sent her <gasps> to jail. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. And what then, a story. <laughs> it doesn't, that hasn't even gone to the good part yet. Right. Then the mom was sleeping with the parole officer. So they wanted to keep her in jail for I know crazy anyway she gets out of jail and she moves to New York and she has several different jobs and careers after that she is like one it's a kind of one of those stories that is like old New York like this kind of like way you can just move there and just Mm. reinvent yourself is I feel like so vintage like you know Mm. it's it's almost mythical like it's not really possible anymore Um, but she definitely did that. Um, and so then she falls in love and falls out of love and she meets all this like kooky cast of characters. Like if you like the deuce, uh, Mm. that show on HBO, this is very much that same time period. If you like pose, she gets into like how she went to the balls and Mm. she can meet all these people and she gets into the AIDS crisis and how it just, um, took away a lot of her friends and, and work colleagues. So mm. it is, it's a very romantic old look at like what life in New York city used to be like, and also just like her struggles and triumphs. And I think it's really beautiful and funny. She's hilarious. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, you- when you get older and you can just like say whatever you want, yes. <laughs> like that's what it's like. It's totally unfiltered. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, and you mentioned to me right before we started recording that you wish this was longer. I did wish it was longer. I, I had so many follow-up questions, mm. um, but I think that they were under some time constraints. Stephanie like was really sick. She required surgery. Mm. She was sure bad. There was a lot of, of um, I think health limitations preventing them from really like making it like, you know, a 90 something thousand word memoir. <laughs> very, very good. All right. Noted. That sounds amazing. Also, I can't wait to see those photos. That's uh, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Well, these are such great picks. This has been so much fun. Thank you again for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So where should people look for you on the interwebs? You can find me on TikTok. That's where I'm mostly um, present right now. Uh, it's Danielle Prescott, P-R-E-S-C-O-D-7. And I'm on Instagram at Danielle Prescott and Twitter the same. All right. Great. Well, thank you all at home for listening. Uh, pretty, pretty please, as always, send us your feedback at getbookedatbookriot.com. We super appreciate everybody who has already sent some in. Love you all. Uh, for more recommendations, you can always get those at bookriot.com. You can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. And also, as always, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, wherever. It helps people to find this show and we super appreciate appreciate it. And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.